Well, good morning, church family. Good morning, good morning. Um, this is a different way to gather. Um, I know there's only three, four, five of us in the room today, so it's going to be different to, uh, to preach and to talk to a, a room that's empty. But I know uh, most of you are connecting with us online, and I hope that you've been blessed by worship this morning uh, and the time we've had already in the Word. Let me just say a couple of quick things. Uh, first, I want to thank you guys as a church for the grace that you've shown to our, our leaders, our elders. You know, 2020 has been a very challenging time to lead. It's hard to know what the right thing, what the best thing is to do. So some very difficult decisions have had to be made. And not being in this room is not a decision any of us wanted to make. Um, but uh, it was a decision that we made for, for two weeks. And I'm thankful for our elders for the unity and the strong leadership of that team. So these brothers have been a steadfast source of uh, prayerful wisdom. And so please honor them, give grace to them. I, I know you'd rather be in this room too. We'd rather be worshiping as a family. Uh, so let's give grace during this time. I'm thankful for them. I feel like they've navigated a very difficult season very well. So we need to thank God for his blessing on his church. So a couple things really quickly before we dig into the word uh, you heard already. But next Sunday, um, we will observe communion together as a family. It'll be different because we won't be in this room. So I want to encourage you this week to get what you need to get, you know, juice or wine or bread and, and crackers, whatever it is you're going to use at home. And uh, dads, I want to challenge you in particular to be the leader in your home in this regard. So gather your family around the table and uh, lead them to remember Jesus well next Sunday. We'll do that together. I, I plan to lead you uh, through video format in that way. So uh, I'm really glad you're joining us online today. If you've never connected with us through this format before, I want to encourage you to leave a comment, share, like, post, do something so we know you're there. Uh, we love our church family. We miss you guys this morning. We want to know you're connecting with us uh, in that way. Also, um, this is normally the time that we would give. And so don't want to miss the opportunity to give. Obviously, Christmas is a time of giving. And so I want to encourage you to give generously today in spite of the difficulties and hardship that 2020 has brought. It has also brought the Lord's blessings in some crazy, unique ways. So I want you to think about how um, you can show the Lord that he has been faithful to you, how you can show um, him that you treasure him above everything. And so one of the ways we do that is through giving. And I want to encourage you to do that. The only real format today, if you're not in this room, is to give online or via text. Uh, that information uh, is available to you at mvcaniston.com slash donate. And you'll be able to find how to do that there. All right, all that being said, I want us to pray for our offering. And I want us to pray specifically for those who are sick, struggling. We have several in our faith family that are sick and struggling. And we'll pray for them. I also want us to pray as we're looking ahead to 2021, I want us to pray um, for God to open doors for us. You know, this time last year, we were looking at 2020 and we were, we were hoping and anticipating a big year of great and glorious things, had big vision, had a lot of things we wanted to do. And then 
you know, 2020 happened. And it was kind of, it's been just one of those years where we're reminded we're really not in control of anything. We, we make plans, but the Lord directs our steps. And that's been, that's been the, the case for this year. So here we are again looking at January, just right around the corner and uh, praying about what would the Lord have us to do and what do we need to do for the sake of the kingdom? And I hope we know this, that in spite of a pandemic and all that's going on in our world, kingdom work doesn't stop, right? The, the work of the gospel, the work of the kingdom can never be pushed pause. We, we can't push pause on what God has called us to do. We refuse to do that. So we, we want to pray just like um, uh, in the book of Acts we've been studying. And Paul says, I thank the Lord that he opened doors for us. And so I want you to specifically pray these next few weeks that God would open doors for our ministry this next year and give us the opportunity to do gospel work. We want to pray for God to allow us to bear much fruit this year, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Would you pray with me to that end, and then we'll dig right into the Scriptures. Let's pray. Father, uh, we are thankful that we have uh, a digital format. This is not ideal. Um, It's not our preference to be gathered in this way, Uh, but here we are, and in a unique way, we're we're kind of together. We're able to at least communicate, see one another, hear one another, and that is a blessing. And so, God, we thank you for it. Lord, we pray for our friends and our family who are sick. We pray for those who are hurting or struggling with COVID, and we ask God for healing. We ask, Lord, that you protect them from that uh, illness being serious. Thank God it's just a relatively mild situation right now. And so we just pray you prevent it from getting serious. We pray that you protect, uh, put your hand of protection over all of us as we uh, celebrate the birth of Christ with extended family these next weeks. Um, Lord, we want to uh, honor Jesus more than anything. And with that in mind, we pray, God... For the upcoming year, Lord, that you would open doors for us for the kingdom. And we ask for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we have been in an Advent series walking through some passages of Scripture. And what we're observing and noticing is that all of Scripture is about Jesus. All of it is about Jesus. This series has intended to show us how all the Bible really is one meta-narrative. So it's one big overarching story pointing our attention and our affection to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We've seen how the story of Abraham and Sarah and the promised child Isaac tells of our promise-keeping God. And then it points to the ultimate son of promise, Jesus Last time, uh, Russ preached from 1 Samuel about Hannah's struggle to conceive and God's blessing of the child Samuel. Hannah knew that God had opened her womb. And so she gave her son back to him, uh, back to service for for him. Uh, This story also points us and reminds us of another young woman whom God opened her womb, and that's the Virgin Mary. God opened her womb and gave her a son that she would also give back to the Father. That would be the Son of God. 
Hannah's prayer and Mary's song are so similar that it's uncanny. You would think God actually meant uh, for them to mirror one another. You would think he meant it that way, right? So these two beautiful stories, uh, Abraham and Sarah and Hannah and Samuel, those two beautiful Old Testament stories are actually parallels of two New Testament stories that we'll look at this week and next. And this Sunday, we're talking about um, Elizabeth and Zechariah from Luke chapter 1. Next time, we'll celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Son of God. Um, but let's, let's jump into our passage for today. Luke chapter 1, I want us to read from verses 5 through 25. And what we're going to see in today's miraculous birth story is the birth of John the Baptist. What we're going to see is that Jesus is the way of peace. Jesus is the way of peace. That's what the scripture tells us. Would uh, you guys in the house, would y'all just stand with me just because I want us to stand in honor of God's word. And those of you watching online, wherever you are, I encourage you to participate in this way. So get up off the couch for a minute. Stand and listen to the word of God. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Isn't that amazing? And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple 
And he kept making signs to them and he remained mute. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you speak to us from your word today? We know and believe that this word, while it's a story about John the Baptist, it is teaching us about you, your character, who you are. And I pray that we would see you clearly today. Who is our God? May we believe in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. This is a fascinating story. It's amazing. One thing that blows my mind is that Luke is writing and he tells us early in this book that he's writing um, so that we may be certain about these things. He's writing to tell the story of the gospel of Jesus, but he says, I'm writing these things so that you may be certain. Well, then he opens his book with a whole narrative about two miraculous births, an angelic visit, a, uh, a priest who's silenced and muted. It's, it's a wild way to begin a story about facts and certainty. It's a, it's a way uh, Luke begins with stories of miracles. And the reason is because our God is a God of miracles. But that's not the first thing I want to tell you. The first thing I want us to see today is this, and this is a truth I think we all need to hear, especially today. God is in control. God is in control. Elizabeth and Zechariah have served the Lord faithfully. Luke goes to great lengths to tell us of of their high character. He says that they were faithful, that they were blameless in the sight of God, that they had uh, done all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. I mean, he goes on and on. He labors the point to talk about their faithfulness. Then he says, but they had no child. They were old at this point, and Elizabeth is barren. Elizabeth is scarred from this. Chapter 1, verse 36 even suggests that she was called barren by her peers. It's like, that's what they called her. And at the end of the passage that we read today, she she notes that the Lord had taken away the reproach. She felt a certain stain, a a reproach from this barrenness. She felt a certain way, and uh, it must have felt as if things were out of control. She wore this barrenness like a scarlet letter. Have you ever wanted something so badly? And yet had no control over making it happen. I can tell you I've been there. And the feeling of frustration. Of disappointment. Of anger. Those feelings are real. Surely that's how this couple felt. I mean they were now old. They had settled into the life that God had given them. Even if it wasn't exactly what they had hoped for. They had settled into who they were. This was their identity. It was the, the old priest and the barren woman. That was who they were. It had become not just things that were true. It had become who they were. Well, I can imagine the sense of disappointment and frustration they must have felt. I mean, month after month, hopeful and then disappointed. 
And then the next month, hopeful and then disappointed. And then the next month, hopeful and then disappointed. And this went on for, as Zacharias says, my wife is, is uh, on up in age, right? This, this had to go on until she was obviously beyond the age of childbearing. And this is what's important to remember. When things are out of your control, they're not out of God's control. God is in control. Even the most tiny details. God's got this. So even the fact that we're not gathered in this room today because there's a virus in our world and some of our friends and family have gotten sick with it, that's, that's not out of God's control. God is in control. Even a pandemic. even I mean, from the smallest of things to the biggest of things. From who's going to be our president to who won the football game last night. God is in control. God is in control. Now, why is this important? Well, it matters because circumstances and our sense of, uh, well, the fact that we know we're out of control, our circumstances cause us anxiety, don't they? They they cause us stress. They cause us worry, cause us fear, anger. All those things stir up in us because we can't control situations. We can't control our circumstances. Many times my lack of control can cause me to panic, can cause me to be angry or frustrated in the, in the least. And I'm reminded Elizabeth hadn't done anything wrong. God's not punishing them. Her struggle was a part of his plan. Her pain was his purpose. Her waiting was his working. That perspective helps us to shift from uh, the bubble of our circumstances to the broader picture that our God is in control. Circumstances cause anxiety, but when we're settled in on God's control, it brings rest. God wanted to do something powerful, something miraculous. And because this baby was going to set the stage for the arrival of the one true king, God closed. Let's go ahead and call it what it is. God closed and then he opened Elizabeth's womb. God was in control the entire time. Her pain was to show his power. Her circumstances were not stronger than God's promise. The angel spoke to Zechariah at the altar and he couldn't believe it. I mean, you can you can understand that, right? He was like, hey, you're going to have to prove it to me. I can't go out there and tell this to my wife. She's she's been wanting a baby all these years. and You expect me to believe and and I'm going to go out there and tell her that not a chance. Prove it. Right. That's the way Zechariah responds to an angel. Ironically, he's talking to an angel. (laughs) He's asking for proof from almighty God who just sent him an angel. That's a a great irony. Um, The Lord had to silence Zechariah because he was a priest, but he was an unbelieving priest. He was doubting. And who can blame him, right? I mean, experience had taught him that he can't believe this. And I just want to say something right here because I think there's a confusion Many times I think we believe that age plus experience equals wisdom. And I want to tell you that's not true. 
Sometimes your experiences will lie to you. Your experience of walking with God may be dull and dim and boring. And I want you to know our God is not dull. He's not dim. He's not boring. So your experience is not giving you wisdom. It's blocking you from true wisdom, which is spirit filled, full of faith. Age and experience do not always equal wisdom. In this case, it equaled something of a a crusty faith, if you will. Zachariah's faith had become crusty. He had come to understand what God could do and what God could not do. So I want to challenge you this morning. If your faith is crusty, shake it off. Have high expectations of our God. He is in control. God is in control. Right there, I would really hope to have an amen, but there's nobody here. So hopefully online, you guys are uh, you know, supporting and uh, agreeing. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, appreciate that. God is in control. Second thing I want us to see from this text, God hears our prayers. God hears your prayers. I love that truth in this text. It, 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 it spells that out for you exactly in verse 13. The angel told Zechariah that their prayers had been heard. Then the angel gave God's answer. And I want you to look in your Bible. If you, if you write in your copy of God's word, I want you just to look at and maybe underline all the times this angel said, the Lord will, you will, will, will. The Lord. He's speaking. The angel is giving the Lord's certain promises of what will happen. He says, um, Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. There will be great joy. You will. He will be great before the Lord. He will be filled with the spirit. He will turn many people back to God in the spirit of Elijah. I mean, this is a massive promise from God in response to the prayer of God's people. God heard and God answered. Now we pray Because we believe at least two things. We believe when we pray, we at least believe that God is listening, right? That God hears. And we believe that God cares. Why would you pray if God couldn't hear you or wouldn't hear you? And why would you pray if he heard you but wouldn't care? So when we pray, we at least believe those two realities about our God. That he hears and that he cares. Now, how many times do you think that Zechariah and Elizabeth had wept and cried out to God for a child? I mean, over the years, I bet they prayed thousands of times for God to give them a child. And here's the reality you need to hear. Their prayers were heard. That's the angel tells them that God has heard your prayer. Let that just wash over you for a minute. In, in the moments that you feel so alone, like no one is listening. This is so hard and no one is listening. I'm telling you, God is listening. And He hears you and He cares. Now all of that matters. But it only matters if a third thing is true of God. Not only does He hear and not only does He care. But our God is at work. He hears, he cares, and he is working. 
Now, if you trust that God is at work, you not only pray, but you pray fervently. You pray with faith. You pray consistently. You pray, you pray uh, persistently. You're p- pushing in on God. You're praying like that widow who came knocking. You're praying like the, the one who was pleading out to the judge repeatedly until he was finally annoyed enough to hear her case. You're praying in such a way that God is going to act. We pray because God hears, God cares, and God is at work. So I want to tell you, pray and believe when you pray. We don't have to let circumstances drive us to anxiety. We cry out to God and then we rest in his sovereign control. I love what the angel told Zechariah. He said, these things will be fulfilled. And then these three words in their time in verse 20. In their time. It's probably our biggest problem with prayer is that we want it now. We want it right now. But our God is sovereignly in control and He knows what He's doing. We must trust His timing. So I've told you two things. Here's the the last one. So God is in control, God hears your prayers. And thirdly, God is able. Luke's gospel, like I told you, is written to provide an account of history. The history of the surroundings of all that was around the beginnings of the Christian movement. He's telling a story with facts and information and details so that you'll believe, so that you'll believe it with certainty. But as I said, he begins this story with miraculous occurrences. Two miraculous pregnancies. An elderly woman gets pregnant and a virgin teenager gets pregnant. Angels are sent from heaven to a priest and to this girl. Um, The priest doesn't believe and so his mouth is shut. He's silenced until the baby's born. He holds the baby, names him John, and suddenly his mouth is opened and he's able to praise God. These are miracles, right? And Luke is writing a story about facts. And here's the point we need to see. Our God is able to do more than you think he can do. He is doing greater and bigger and better and more things than you believe. He's able. Paul said it this way at the end of Ephesians 3. He said, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. More than we could ask or imagine. Paul had come to know The miraculous ability of our God and our God is able. He's not hindered by your limitations. It doesn't matter that um, that Abraham and Sarah were old. Doesn't matter that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. She's on up in years. She's well past the age of childbearing. And yet the Lord opens her womb and gives her a son. It doesn't matter that Mary's a virgin, never been with a man before. God opens her womb and gives her the Son of God. Our God is able to do more than is physically possible. He's a God who works miracles. That's why we call out and pray to Him. That's why we rest and trust in His control. That's why it's significant that I'm not in control and you're not in control, but our God is in control. 
So when your circumstances drive you to anxiety, run to the sovereign hands of a God who is in control. God, in this story of the gospel of Jesus, is moving stars. He is uh, compelling zealous kings to give murderous orders to move people around. He's causing governors to order a census so that he can move people from one city all the way across to another city so that they'll be born exactly where he wants them to be born. God is opening barren wombs. He's opening virgin wombs. He's silencing doubting priests. He's putting his power on display. God's making a scene. And he's making a scene because this is the debut of the Son of God. Now, this baby born to Zechariah and Elizabeth is not the Son of God. But He is the first prophet. He's the first one in hundreds of years to stand before the people and say, Thus says the Lord. The Lord for hundreds of years has not given a prophecy. But this man, is going. this baby is going to grow to be the man who says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This boy is going to be the man who's going to say, if you'll put your faith in him, you'll be forgiven. You'll be saved. I'm not him, but he is. Here comes the one whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And John the Baptist points our attention and our affection to Jesus Christ. And so God is putting on the fireworks show. He's showing I am able I am in control. Cry out to me. As Zechariah held his baby boy, and after nine months of being silenced and unable to give a word to the people that he shepherded, he holds this baby boy and he gives a prophecy. Beginning in verse 76 of Luke chapter 1, he's holding his son. And I just imagine... You know, I've got two little babies at my house right now and I hold them just like this and I look in their faces and I speak the gospel to my boys. And I imagine Zechariah says, and you, my child, will be called the prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because The tender mercy of our God. He's experienced that. That's experiential mercy. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Listen to this. To guide our feet into the way of peace. Here's what you need to know. Jesus is the way of peace. Of peace. He's the way of peace. This miraculous birth, like all the others we've studied in this Advent series, it serves this purpose setting the stage for the birth of the Son of God. Wherever you are today, 
I pray that you will pull out of the chaos of your circumstances. That you will rest in the merciful hands of a sovereign God who is in control. That you will not worry, but in everything that you'll make your request known to God. Knowing that He hears, that He cares, and that He's working. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and found in Him the forgiveness that no one else can give, I can't think of a better time than right now to give your life to Jesus. He is the way of peace. He's the way of peace. This Christmas, I want to encourage you. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Don't miss the moments that God is putting before your face. Don't miss what He's doing to put on a show, to show His power, to get your attention so that you will say, this God has come to me to save me. Give your life to Christ and you'll know He is the way of peace. Let me pray for us today. I pray God blesses you this week. Look forward to connecting with you again. Uh, Remember, we will have communion next Sunday. Church, I love you. This is not the way I want to connect with you around Christmas, but just know that we love you. And uh, I'm praying for you guys. Honor Jesus this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a, a good morning in your word. We thank you for the truth that you've shown us. Uh, about the Son of God. We thank You, Lord, that You are in control. When everything seems chaotic and out of control, we can rest in Your sovereign hands. Lord, that's so um, reassuring. But we thank You most of all that You sent to us Your only Son. He is the way of peace. We trust in Him today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.